Welcome to Didache, where we are studying to show ourselves approved, rightly dividing the word of truth so we can worship God in spirit and truth, deepening our knowledge of God, thereby enabling us to deepen our love for God. Here is your host, Justin Peters. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Justin Peters. I hope that this finds you and your family doing well today. I want to thank you so much for joining me for this podcast. As I mentioned in my previous video with Casey Butner, we had a follow-up video coming, and this is that video. And uh, Casey and I are going to be showing you more proof, much more proof, about the things that we have been saying about First Baptist Church Orlando, as well as the SBC in general. Uh, some have asked for proof. In fact, we've heard from a number of people expressing their deep concern, genuine concern, but uh, wanting some more proof of the things that we are saying, specifically that First Baptist Church is baptizing homosexuals. And that is all going to be in this video. Now, you've probably already noticed if you've looked down at the timeline or whatever, this is a long video. It is. Uh, it's going to be a hair over two hours in length. So what I have done is I have broken this down into uh, chapters, I guess you could say. And down below in the description, I will have the minute marks. So if you want to jump to a particular place, uh, you can do that. Or if you want to, you know, stop and come back to it later or whatever, want, want to watch something again. So all the chapter divisions are down below in the description so you can navigate this video um, more easily. This is not a video that I wanted to make. Casey did not want to make it, um, but it is one that is necessary, unfortunately, and we want we want churches to be equipped. We want people who truly care about the truth to be equipped. And so, and, and also let me say, you'll see this as the video goes on, especially at the end, that, um, neither Casey nor I have any disdain for homosexuals. We care for them and we want them to know the truth. And, um, anyway, I've got ahead of myself. So basically here's the chapter divisions, how we're going to break this down. So we're going to start by giving, uh, just kind of an introductory material about, some of the things with First Baptist Orlando that we've been talking about and the SBC, the attractional model of church, of doing church and that kind of stuff. Some laying some groundwork first. And then we're going to, uh, get, share with you some of the emails and feedback that we have received from people. And I mentioned in the last video that we have now heard from well over a hundred, uh, people, uh, either current members or former members. Uh, First Baptist Church Orlando expressing their concern and actually affirming every single thing we have said and then some. Next chapter, we're going to be talking about the North American Mission Board and First Baptist Church Orlando and how the North American Mission Board is partnering with FBC Orlando and some of the concerns that that entails. And uh, I will be kind of a subdivision within this chapter. I will also interview Tom Buck and he will talk about the exchange that he has had with Kevin Ezell, the director of the North American Mission Board, and how that went back and forth and very troubling things there. Uh, then the next chapter, Casey's going to talk about some social justice keywords, tag words. If you hear some of these things in your church, uh, to, that will be you know en enough to raise red flag. Uh, and then uh, probably what most of you 
are really wanting to see. Um, and, and this is not, this is not for the purpose of being salacious in any way. It is simply showing proof of the things that we have been saying. But, um, the next chapter we will have, I will show Casey and I will walk through with you, uh, photographic proof that homosexuals are being baptized at First Baptist Church, Orlando. And then we will answer some of the criticisms, the next chapter, answer some of the criticisms that have come our way, and I'll talk about one YouTube channel in particular. And uh, then Casey is going to tell us about some of the former homosexuals who have contacted him and thanked him for the things that he has been saying in these videos. I think that will encourage you a lot. And then finally, the last chapter will be the conclusion and the gospel. That's how we will end it. So thank you very much, dear ones, uh, for watching this. And without any further delay, we'll get to the interview. Casey, brother, it's good to have you back with me. And um, in our last video that we did together, we kind of teased this one a little bit, said that we would have another video coming up. And this is that video. And so we will largely be talking about some of the ongoing issues and concerns at First Baptist Orlando and flesh those out more fully. And also um, some, some, well, a couple of critics uh, have have said that uh, we don't really have proof of what we're saying. But as we said in the last video, you, you and I both heard, have heard from dozens, but in your case, given your centrality there to um, First Baptist Orlando, your location, you've heard now from over a hundred people. And so we're going to be talking through some of those things and we're going to have pictures um, that validate, prove, unfortunately, prove everything that we have been saying. Um, so let's go through this quickly. Uh, my concerns with First Baptist Orlando, they that church first kind of got uh, my attention back in 2016 with the memorial service that they had for the victims of the Pulse nightclub shooting, of course, which is a gay nightclub. Mm -hmm. um, I've done a video on this. They ushered everyone there into heaven. Mm -hmm. um, and the, the chief cornerstone in scripture from first Peter two, that uh, was identified as the LGBTQ community. Mm -hmm. uh, when in reality, of course it is Jesus Christ himself. So it's just horrifically blasphemous. And um, that kind of one thing led to another. So Casey, let's walk through some of these issues. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, David Youth and him being the president of the SBC Pastors Conference in 2020. What would you like to share with us about that as we just lay some groundwork here? Yeah, sure. You know, a little bit more there uh, about David Youth is worth talking about. Um, because that's primarily where our concerns lie. And nevertheless, um, he had an invite list that uh, was prepared for the pastor's conference there. And um, unfortunately, due to COVID, the whole convention was canceled. And the pastor's conference was canceled. I guess you could say praise the Lord or unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. However, but that invite list is public news as well. And it was organized by David Youth. And um, there's just a, a list of guys who are just simply, well, I guess we could just start at the top. David Platt was invited 
Now, uh, David Youth was chairman of the search committee for the IMB when they were looking for a president. So he was strategic in getting David Platt in that position. They're good friends. Okay. Now, David Platt, when he was preaching at the T4G um, conference, he preached a message called Let Justice Roll Down Like Waters from Amos chapter 5, verses 18 to 27. And he yep. completely took that out of context and made it to where whites needed to repent. And he was saying that white people had blind spots and he called for whites to utilize all of their influence to do justice. And that that was the true test of our Christianity. So that was pretty much the huge open door for critical race theory and social justice and, and all of those things. So that would be one who, you know, David invited. And then Wayne Cordario was a pastor over in Hawaii. He runs about 21,000 in attendance. He's a non-SBC guy. Then you got Jim Cimbala in New York and uh, they run There's about 16,000. Charismatic. Jim Cimbala and charismatic. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. Then um, as you go on down the list, David Hughes, senior pastor of Church by the Glades in Coral Springs, Florida. They run about 9,000. And you put their worship service, just a glimpse on our last video. Yeah. Um, yeah. Church, church by the Glades, that is that is an SBC church. A lot of people don't think it is, but but it is. That is their affiliation. They are SBC. And this is an attractional church, seeker-sensitive church on steroids. They uh, just recently, as their primary, I guess, one, I guess, their primary worship song, worship song in their, one of their services on a Sunday, was um, a remake of uh, "Walk This Way" by Aerosmith, and I guess that was later redone by Starsky. Run, run DMC. So I'm not a music guy. I don't know. My musical interests are pretty much limited to the hymns mm. and Ray Stevens, uh, country comedian, Ray Stevens. So beyond that, I'm not, I'm, uh, my wife will tell you I'm famously illiterate on music, but I did look up, unfortunately, I looked up the lyrics to walk this way. Horrific. I, that's all I'll say. Somebody wants to Google it. Fine. But, uh, it very, very sexually explicit. Now, they changed the words a little bit, but it, it's still there. And that's what they consider worship. So, and they do sermon series on movies of, you know, Michael Jackson stuff. And, uh, you know, it's just, uh, it's, it's a, it's a theatrical production. And I have no problem saying that Church by the Glades is not a church. It's, it's a goat farm. It's an absolute goat farm. So, and so for, David used to invite him as an example at a pastor's conference is completely discrediting, especially when they do series like Victoria's Secret. Yes, and, Victoria, Victoria's Secret. Yeah, which yeah, just, and, yeah. Uh, I must give credit where credit's due. You you told me that, so I didn't find that. <laughs> Not that I've watched it, but but I, yeah. So it's on their YouTube channel. I mean, you can go to their YouTube channel. You yeah. see, it's right there. And um, but yeah, yeah, it's um, it. Carnal doesn't even begin to describe it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's outright gross. And gross. so, I mean, any of your viewers that go on to church, the blades website and watch just, you know, a minute or two, I, I guarantee you they, that's all they'll watch. That's all you, I mean, it's, yeah. it's just that appalling. Yeah. Go so, uh, and, 
you know, it's kind of fitting. I mean, uh, South Florida has just some, well, anyway, as you kind of go on down the list, uh, Phil Wickman was invited to be the worship leader. Now, he, he collaborates with Bill Johnson at Bethel. And so you have this Bethel music and all of its mysticism coming in to lead worship for pastors. Yeah. And as you have these guys on stage to preach and to teach, you're setting them as an example. And so David Youth was taking all of the Southern Baptist pastors outside of, if, if you want to say, Southern Baptist doctrine and going outside of the denomination to look as for an example as to what to do in their churches. And obviously church growth is the goal for the SBC. It's an idol numbers. This is how you do it. But then, you know, another kicker would be Hosanna Wong, a spoken word artist, a Bible teacher, a preacher. She's a teacher at the East or preacher, a pastor at the East Lake church in San Diego. She's an international preacher, a guest preacher for many churches and she was in a preaching slot. She yeah. was in a preaching slot for the Southern Baptist Pastors Conference. And David Youth would say, well, she wasn't preaching. She was just going to do spoken word. And if, and if you listen to her, she doesn't just do spoken word. She's going to preach. And yeah. that even putting her in there as a pastor, she is a pastor. She's on the website of a church as a pastor. It's, it's muddying the waters. It's affirming women pastors. It's simply crossing the line in all of these different areas. And he got a lot of pushback within the Southern Baptist Convention. And at that time, um, when COVID hit and it got canceled and the pushback came, you know, David and Danny kind of pushed back on their own Sunday morning service when they started meeting again and calling them, you know, crazy uncles and evil and names. Yeah. So he responded in that way rather than just repenting and saying, guys, I was out of line and getting back in line doctrinally. So, you know, non-SBC people to lead the SBC, um, it's way outside of sound doctrine, which obviously pastors are called to do, according to Titus 1.9, to hold fast to that. You know, we would look at it as... um you know, me, a prior Southern Baptist, I would say Adrian Rogers, uh, the, the line of Jerry Vines, the faithful expositors. If you're going to go outside the SBC, John MacArthur, Steve Lawson, Bodie Bauckham, Ken Ham, Justin Peters, get in that thread and bring in sound doctrine if you're going to go outside. But the clear direction of David Youth and even SBC would be more like Rick Warren, Tony Evans, T.D. Jake, Stephen Furtick, Joyce Myers. That's the downgrade that we're looking at. And so we're taking into consideration years of compiled evidence and showing people here today that this is most certainly the direction that David Youth and Danny are going. But not only First Baptist Orlando, the entire SBC by and large, craves this friendship with the world, partnering with the world. And friendship with the world is hostility towards God, James 4, 4 says. And I was proud of Chris Kenningham, whom you put in the last video, who pretty much said there on the floor uh, that 
our church has found that partnering with the world is something that the SBC is doing, and um, we're no longer going to be a part of it. Have a good day. And he walked yeah. away from the microphone. I was I was surprised. Not not one person applauded him. <laughs> yeah, I know that was pretty telling. And in Casey, we're not doing that. You know, we've been accused of uh, some, or at least some would say that. Uh, I think there's been some oblique uh, digs at us. Uh, from some of the higher ups in SBC, the SBC elites. And, and, uh, you know, we're, we're angry. We're like the angry uncle or the crazy uncle in the basement or so, you know, like we're just angry, but we're, we, we say these things because we actually care. We care about the truth. We care about the honor of God, but we also care deeply that, that people are not deceived. Right. I mean, I, I asked a simple question. How valuable is truth? Yeah. How valuable would Jesus say that truth is? And right. uh, this is very, very true. And at the core, the truth is going to protect the people. Mm-hmm. At the very core of it, the pastors are called to preach the truth of God. And it's by the word of God that it sanctifies the people. And, and yeah. so, you know, we talk a lot about how this is not fun. And I've shared with you many times, I don't envy your job, Justin. <laughs> But here's the thing. We're fighting for souls and it's worth it. It's taxing and it's laborious. But those who have combined, I mean, just compounded their affirmation towards us and thanking us for getting the truth out. It's endless. You mentioned over 100 for me. And and honestly, um, it's probably well beyond that. And that's not a lot compared to how many people are attached to First Baptist Orlando. And, you know, it ran 14,000 in the, in the Jim Henry days. I don't know where it's at now, uh, but nevertheless, yeah. it is so big that in between all of the multiple services and all of the things that are going on, people could literally not know the context of what's happening over here at these baptisms or what's happening over here, this children and youth and Spanish services, and Brazilian services. It's almost like a town. And so when you walk around on yeah. Sunday morning, there's thousands of people. That's, that's just the way it is at a big church. Yeah. And so firsthand testimonies have said to me, we were there for years and you would have this one little thing that um, would be wrong. And then some time would go by another little thing and then another little thing. And yeah. so now that we've done these videos, just simply added up all of the facts, the light bulb comes on. And I have heard this one illustration over and over and over again. The frog in the kettle is true. It's true. Uh, the frog in the frying pan is it's a true illustration. And that's what's happening there. And so for the true sheep to be able to know the truth, that's what we're simply doing. And, uh, you know, you and I have decided that um, it, it is our opinion for pastors to go down this road intentionally. They know what they're doing. They know where they're going. They're not innocent. Yeah. They've no. already decided they've done their test. They've pulled the community. They know where the world is. They know what the world is craving and they know what to do to. It's the same thing that the, that the Southern Baptist convention is doing, trying to keep the big tent big, trying to keep the that's room. Right. full. Yeah, that's right. For numbers, for numbers. 
Well, Casey, I want to get I want to get to a couple of these emails and testimonies that we've been talking about. Of course, we couldn't begin to go through all of them because we've heard from so many. Uh, so I, w- I want you to read through some of whatever you would like to. Uh, but before I let you do that, let me ask you this question. Has it has it been your sense? Because uh, some are going to say, oh, every church has disgruntled former members. And so, you know, these are just angry former members of First Baptist Orlando that have had their feelings hurt. And they're so they're just trying to get back at their church. They're just disgruntled. Is that the sense that you get from these people who have contacted you? The, the people that contact me are hurt. They have been heavily invested as members for years and years and years, multi-generationally too, with their children, their children's children. And, you know, for a few hundred people to leave first Orlando is nothing for them. They've, they've already met, they know where they're going. They've counted the loss and um, this little bump in the road. You know, I mean, I'm convinced you and I are just nothing that's not even on pastor David and Danny's radar. But if perhaps these videos can reach the people for whom are contacting us, especially myself, and they're saying that what you're saying is true and then some. Yeah. And they're hurt. They're, they, they've been giving for years. They feel like that they've been deluded and sound doctrine has not been being preached. The yeah. truth hasn't been being preached. And they feel like they've been robbed of their time. And now that they've been giving toward an agenda that they do not approve of, they feel robbed. And so nevertheless, there's a lot whom are dealing with all of this right now. And and so our prayers go out to those who are comprehending it. And, And I, too, have a heart because I've gone through that before. I was on staff with a false prophet. He put you know, a couple uh, to be baptized it was of the same gender. I asked, you know, what is this? I was a children's pastor at the time, had children lined up who had received Christ. And I, I said, we, we can't baptize a gay couple. You know, these ladies need to be evangelized. We need to share the gospel with them. And, and he said, Casey, we love you, brother. And we just want you to keep doing what you're doing. And you're doing a great job and just a, a glazed over schmoozed thing. And it wasn't very long at all after that, that my wife and I, we prayed and said, we're resigning. Yeah. And God took good care of us when we made that hard decision. And it took a, a, a long time, nearly a year to emotionally recover because we had invested our lives in this church. And so I know what it is for the folks to be going through this hardship. They've invested in their lives into their, and oftentimes their, their, their friendships at church are more intimate and closer than their actual church family. And so they're dealing with losing what, what would feel like as family members if they walk away from the church. That's just really, really tough on all kinds of different levels. And so nevertheless, they're they're hurt, understandably, because anyone who's been deceived for a long time, you're obviously going to be hurt, but not they're not vindictive. They're not just trying to cause trouble for the sake of causing trouble. They're hurt and they don't want other people to go through that same hurt that they've been they've been through. So it's not a it's not a vindictive Mm -hmm meddling kind of hurt it's a it's a hurt that's born out of a a love for the truth right 
Yeah. And they appreciate the the courage to be able from us to be able to put the truth out there so that uh, they and their friends can put it all together. And so nevertheless, I have had an overwhelming amount of affirmation and appreciation and at the same time, listening for hours on the end of their personal testimonies, hours and hours and hours of things. And um, unfortunately, a lot of the very specific details would give away the identity of those. And so we can only share so much yeah. without breaking confidence. Sure. But the details are very specific and they're harsh. Yeah. So. You know, David and Danny will have to answer to that on the day of judgment for the Lord. And the the sheep are going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. One such individual who obviously will remain unnamed saw our video and and sent a long email. And I'll just kind of rattle through some of the things that he mentioned. He joined, you know, five years ago. He previously attended a solid Bible preaching and teaching church out of the state. And he served there at First Baptist Orlando in the response room and did counseling. He, um, and he started noticing a lot of things that raised his spiritual eyebrow and red flags and such. So they closed the response room to make way for youth activities. Uh, Danny was constantly beating the drum for money. And um, and then there was that pastor's conference fiasco with David Youth, which we just talked about the invite list that he brought in. And nevertheless, this gentleman lived in South Florida for a while, and he says he's familiar with the antics of Church in the Glades. So he was completely put off by that. And then at the same time, there was a posture shift conference there at First Baptist Orlando, and that's simply how to reach out to the gay community. And he left. He says, confused uh, where the church was going and how to reach the gay community for the gospel. It was was confusing for him. Now, you would think there shouldn't be anything confusing about the gospel. It's the easiest thing in the world to get right. So he was deeply grieved and he was uh, left um, fouled at the point that they were fouling the baptistry and baptizing homosexuals. Danny got up on a Sunday morning when David was in attendance and he started berating the ejecting pastors from the pulpit, causing them, calling them crazy uncles and evil people. So he's talking about those who were giving David pushback for those whom he invited to the pastor's conference. And, 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 and I want people to be sure and hear what you just said there. This, this individual says they were baptizing homosexuals, mm-hmm. plural. So he saw this more than once. That's my understanding Yeah, yeah, of what he's saying. So it left him deeply grieved. Now, this is sad. He he went over to um, David on a Sunday morning and um, confronted him. And then they were able to talk about it for a very short time. And then David, he says, got huffy. And he said, well, you're going to believe what you want to believe and walk off. And that's just sad for a pastor to treat anybody like that, especially when this man knows what he's talking about. So while attending the church, he attests to the fact in this email that David brought in Robert Morris, a charismatic preacher and more. um, Yeah. 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 He's he's friends with Todd White. So that kind of tells you where Robert Morris is. But go ahead. Wow. 
Yeah. And then he brought in Hosanna Wong to perform scripture and then had a woman preach on that Sunday. And then to kind of add to everything that was happening at the same time is shutting down discipleship classes and replacing them with practical matters and social justice issues. And so you see the high bar of God and ecclesiology being um, brought down inch by inch and then worldliness brought up. It's just teetering and teetering and teetering. And over the years, now it's just the cart has flipped and people really are seeing it now. So for this gentleman, he said that he was done. The final straw was when Danny read his infamous We Are First Orlando letter. We are a diverse, welcoming, multicultural gathering of people. We have the 99-year-old World War II hero and the millennial immigrant who doesn't know anything about American history sitting on the same row and listening and learning about Jesus together. We have transgender, LGBTQ, straight, single, married, divorced, and cohabitating people. These same people attend, listen, serve, grow, and give. We have Democrats, Republicans, independents, and non-registered people. We have documented and undocumented people. We have politically active and socially responsible people. We have pro-life and pro-choice and pro-war and pro-peace. We have support the blue and Black Lives Matter, sitting together and serving together. We have Trumpers and never-Trumpers. We have Biden supporters and Harris supporters. And in the midst of all of this, we have one of the most beautiful worship experiences you can possibly imagine. Because all of us gather around the good news of Jesus and the one who is changing us and the one who unifies us. And we celebrate how he has set us all free from our bondage to sin and given us eternal life. Jose, we are First Orlando. And um, and he says that in no way that described him and he didn't want to be associated with it. So they had their names removed from the membership there at First Baptist Orlando. And speaking of the people there at first, he says they are literally like frogs in the boiling pot. What once was a battleship of Christian faith has been turned into a carnival cruise, love boat of pragmatism, wokeism, culturalism and numbers. Again, to kind of sidetrack a little bit, I have not heard back from Danny or David, and I don't expect to. Um, I'm a nobody, I'm, and I'm fine with that. I'm, I just want to be faithful to whatever the Lord has for me to do. And if we could sit down and talk, it would be about sound doctrine, what the scriptures say about all these subjects. That's the voicemail I left on Pastor David Youth's cell phone. I would love to follow up with a conversation. He yeah. called and left me a voicemail. I told him, I said, let's meet. And obviously his mother passed and um, our condolences still go out to him and his family. We would love to sit down and talk about the, I mean, he has a PhD in New Testament. There's no reason why we can't talk about sound doctrine with Bibles open but every time we talk with David, it's emotional stories and the list kind of goes on and on and on. So to finish this email, the bottom line is if you love and care for someone, you will warn them of the danger and continuing on their current path and show them 
that the path they're on leads them away from safety. So to do what Danny and David are doing is to foster a false sense, a false sense of security in people. And to walk down that path is to take them to hell. This is not love, but this is hatred by hiding the truth. I pray that the Lord either convicts David and Danny to repent or he cleans house and brings in doctrinally sound leaders to shepherd this church and that he doesn't remove his candle stand if he hasn't removed his candle stand already. Now, you got one email out of a ton of emails that have responded to and got pastors as well, not only from, um, well, not, not only people and pastors from First Orlando, not pastors from First Orlando, but people around the country and pastors from around the country who have emailed and said, Casey, our church is seeing what First Orlando has done. We're seeing what's happening in the convention. We have voted and our church voted unanimously and we're leaving the SBC. Yeah. And so, I asked Pastor Michael in Washington if I could have permission to share. And he said, sure. He said, for years, I've been grieved over the direction of the SBC. I serve in Washington state. He sees the darkness creeping into the SBC. And he's going to be showing his elders the interview that we have, the video prior to this. And they're going to discuss their affiliation with the SBC. Might I ask you for prayers? And he said, I'm no great man of God, but as Paul Washer said, there are really no great men of God, only frail men of a great God. So thank you for being a voice for truth of God's word. And so that's Pastor Michael Duncan, senior pastor of Faith Community Church at Ocean Shores, Washington. And this is just one example of a ton. So nevertheless, then there's Another one where they already did vote 100 percent. Pastor Aaron in Texas, they've left the SBC. This is actually pretty interesting. Okay, He called and he said that um, they voted to leave the SBC and they sent a letter. And and he was gracious enough to attach this well-written letter. And pretty much there's 10 specific points as to why they're leaving. Texas, the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention, so the state convention of Texas called and they said, are you leaving the state convention as well? So the pastor said, Pastor Aaron said, well, we got 10 points that we need addressed. So the state convention sent a representative to come and speak on a Sunday morning. And Pastor Aaron said it was an absolute bomb. He affirmed the fact that women could be pastors. He affirmed the fact that the Baptist faith and message is where we're at. And the list kind of went on and on and on. And it, it was just awful. The yeah. Texas State Convention affirmed that women can be pastors. Yes. Yep. Lord have mercy. Southern Baptist. Of say that in all genuineness. Lord have mercy. State Convention. So, you know. In, in our own state convention as well, yeah, I've told you that I've spoken personally um, with our treasurer. And, and he has said, you know that I can't do anything. Every church is autonomous and independent. And, and so I said, we have got to leverage our influence to hold one another accountable for the glory of God and for the well-being of the sheep. We we can't just get the money and the numbers and, and pretend like everything is okay and 
cover our eyes and keep having conferences at First Baptist Orlando and keep having our annual conventions there. Keep keep on doing everything like it's not happening. And yeah. so the fact that First Baptist Orlando is affirming that the um, LGBT community can also be Christians at the same time and they're baptizing them is happening. And there's zero pushback from any other pastors that I know of, um, the convention, um, pastors that would have the clout to be able to say, hey, David, youth, what's up, Mm -hmm. are not doing that. They're siding with their friendship rather than being able to hold one another accountable. And that's no friend. That No. That that is that is such a sad commentary. I, I don't want people to miss that. So it's we're not just talking about First Baptist Orlando, even though that's kind of their kind of the emphasis here. But any pastor who would not stand up against this and and go to David Youth and Danny DeArmas and say, "Brothers, ostensibly, what are you doing?" So. Romans fourteen twenty two, blessed is a man who is not condemned by what he approves. Right. So yeah. if 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 you're if you know the truth and you have access to these men and you're you're in the SBC, you're in their theological and ecclesiological circles, and you have access to them, and you don't say something, you're. I'm I'm not saying like a six degree Kevin Bacon kind of thing, but but you're 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 condemning yourself by what you approve and by not going to them, you're yeah. participating in that sin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's become, that's not me. That's scripture. Right. Yeah. It's become a thing around here. We say it quite often now to permit is to promote. Yeah, absolutely. And we're not going to be guilty by association. Yep. And we just simply, taking the high ground, especially when it comes to it being made a gospel issue, even on the woke side of things. So, I mean, baptizing homosexuals, doing social justice, that's just part of what uh, First Baptist Orlando is is accused of and or is doing. You know, Second Peter chapter 2, verse 1, but false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be also false teachers among you. Who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them. You know, I mean, this stuff rises up within the churches and it obviously gets to the pulpit and everything. And whether or not David and Danny are false prophets or not, I mean, I don't know. I mean, they could be genuinely fooled. Colossians 1 8 talks about that, you know, the Colossians were fooled, but I personally would say to them, your fruit is telltale. Well, you know, as you said, David has a PhD in New Testament, so he's not ignorant yeah. of what scripture teaches. So, um, you know, the state of the man's soul, um, uh, I won't weigh in on that, I guess, but, uh, but I can definitively say, definitively say he's not qualified to be a pastor. Right. I mean, that's, that's as obvious and irrefutable as the sun rises in the east. He's not yeah. qualified to be a shepherd. 
That's exactly right. The uh, the very basis, the I mean, very basis, Titus one nine, being able to hold fast to sound doctrine and refute those who contradict it is one of the areas. But at the very point in our conversation where you and I stammer and stumble as to determine where they're at, well, here's the call for the sheep. The call for the sheep would be in First John uh, chapter four. And verse one, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And this is nothing new. Jesus said in Matthew seven fifteen, beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. So you've got Jesus who was never missing the opportunity to call out false prophets. Uh, even in Luke 20, verses 45 and following, then in the beginning of the people, he said to his disciples, beware of the scribes. All of these warnings and such are just, just simply what you and I are doing. We are warning people and calling them to discernment and giving them the truth so that they can make a fair assessment for the, the, the well-being of their soul and their family's souls. Yeah. Sit back. Don't be entertained. Don't be lulled, you know, into sleep and really grab your Bibles and listen with a discerning ear and don't be emotionally manipulated. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Nothing more important than the shepherding of your soul. I I tell people, I'll, I'll kind of paraphrase my wife. She gave an illustration one time that I thought was very helpful. You know, in every area of life, we seek out the best. You know, we want the best dentist to fill our cavity. We want the best uh, plumber to fix our leaky sink. We want the best builder to build our house. And we seek out people that are proficient and qualified and trustworthy in their field of expertise. You know, we seek out the best. We want the best doctor to perform surgery on us. Except when it comes to the shepherding of our eternal soul, except when it comes to that one thing that is by far by far the most important, the preaching of God's word, rightly dividing the word of truth, shepherding us, uh, protecting us from the wolves, doing church, leading us in worship. That That is by far the most important aspect of our lives. And when it comes to that, uh, you know, anything will do. Uh, it, it, is, it, is, it is so upside down, so upside down. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about um, uh, David's response. You, know, you have here in your notes, uh, he calls for people to trust him rather than verify with scripture, right? Would you like to comment? Yeah. You know, I was rather surprised at his response. He decided to handle you know, our first video um, publicly in a sermon and uh, to call, you know, um, I think it was probably mostly you, um, a liar. And that's a strong accusation. Of a guy who posted a video about our church filled with lies. So unfair, so ungodly. But yet he did it in the name of Jesus. So all the way back from Jacksonville, I've got my phone right there in front of me and I got that number. All I got to do is touch it. And I said, I'm going to call him. And the Lord said, why are you going to call him? I said, I'm going to bless him. And the Lord said, 
I know what blessing means to you. I know what you're going to do. He said, you're not going to call him. I said, Lord, it wasn't right. He said, what they did to me wasn't right. Lord, it wasn't, it wasn't fair. He didn't tell me that's where you take a pig, but he said, that wasn't fair what I went through. Um, we're just simply observing the facts and comparing exactly what has happened to the scriptures. That's all we're doing. Yep. And they're in the public eye. And this is nothing that nobody else. I mean, everybody does this. Everybody discerns and everybody looks. Now, um, David decided to lambast the whole situation and do it in a sermon. I, I was quite surprised that he would call his people to listen to me. And he did not quote any scripture when it comes to refuting the points that we brought up or right. any of these other things. He's never brought it up. And so nevertheless, he's calling the people to trust him. Now, Proverbs 3, 5 says trust in the Lord. And pastors should be calling their people to trust in the Lord. Look at the scriptures, analyze it, rightly divide it, know the word of God, follow Christ. And shepherds should be pointing their sheep towards the Lord Jesus Christ, yeah. not calling them to trust me and giving them stories. So I was disappointed in that and at the same time calling us liars. So um, that was, I think, telling for the people if they would just simply look at the facts and say, wait a minute. Um, yeah. There are there's solid scripture, there's solid facts, but yet he's ignoring those things and saying, listen you know, right. to me, calling people to be, you know, a man follower. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you're exactly right. Accusing us of lying. It's a serious accusation. So I would invite the proof where what have we said that is a lie? What have we said that we have we have lied about knowing we lied about? I, I mean, I, I'm happy to correct any anything we may have factually gotten wrong, but it, right. but I'm not aware of anything. Um, but I can definitively say with a crystal clear conscience before God, you and I have not lied about anything. Yeah. You know, I got a good illustration for you in the transmission of scripture over history, especially back when the manuscripts um, were being copied by scribes. Um, one of the ways that scholars verify what the original words were is that you would, you would stack the manuscripts. So if like in John 1, 1 or Genesis 1, 1 in the beginning, you would say in, in, you stack all the manuscripts up and you look at it and you see all of these words match up. So you got a hundred manuscripts in is definitely the first word. So all of these testimonies, all of these different copies, that's solid. And so when you go through the entire word of God, that's how we know we really truly have the word of God. And now when you take a hundred testimonies and all of this collaborative evidence just piling in. It all makes sense. All yeah. makes sense. When yeah. you look at all of their testimonies, they came, they come in in the same fashion, in the same ways. And I mean, you would ask the question, why are we doing another video? Well, I'll, I'll give the answer from a pastor who uh, used to be an attorney. And he said, stack the evidence because the people don't really see it until the evidence is put before them time again, time and yeah. time again. Yeah. So when you're caught up in it and you're blind to what's really happening, 
we're all trusting. We love our shepherds. We love our pastors. We love our church. We think I had one testimony. Tell me this right here. If I would have watched your video a year ago, Casey, I would have said, no way that's happening at First Baptist Orlando. That's what I would have said a year ago, but six months ago. So it's, it's, and and these are not dull people. These are sharp people. And so you think to yourself, wow, we certainly can be full. First Corinthians fifteen thirty three: bad company corrupts good character, no matter who you are. And yeah. so our, our surroundings really matter. We are moldable. We, we we really need to make sure we're in the soundest environment that's the healthiest for our soul and seek out sound doctrine. Yeah. So nevertheless, that would I be know. one way that we have just compounded all of the evidences that have piled up. Amen. So one of the other things that happened at First Baptist Orlando uh, some time ago, the North American Mission Board, NAM, brought in a uh, prior church planter whose name is Matt, who's on staff at First Baptist Woodstock, to speak to pastors here in Central Florida. So First Baptist Orlando hosted that luncheon. And um, he came in as a guest speaker and obviously knew David and Danny. They were sitting up front. Our table is close to them. And to my utter surprise, right there in the middle of the message, he dropped a four-letter bomb. I had not looked around. I thought, is anybody else appalled? David and Danny were laughing. The pastor beside of me was not happy about it. And it seemed like, well, hold on, guys. North American Mission Board, First Baptist Orlando, has a pastor on stage who's swearing. And th- this is, you know, I think to myself, others who have gone down that road, Perry Noble and others who have gone oh, yeah. down that road. It's just Mark Driscoll. Yeah. Mark Driscoll. So nevertheless, after the message, I went over and I said to the brother, hey, what if, you know, First Peter chapter 1, verse 16, be holy for I am holy. And I handed him the note and um, left my name and number. He called me back. We talked it through. And um, and he actually said, man, I'm sorry. And I appreciate you mentioning that. I, I should not have done that. And he said, Johnny Hunt is my personal pastor. And I and he'd be you know ashamed of me for doing that. And that was before yeah. we found out what Johnny did. Right. Not too sure how ashamed he'd be. But, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, before all this. You know, was- yeah, I see how everything's falling apart. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, I called Danny up or emailed him or uh, and and said, "Hey, did you correct the brother for you know the that's your role or David won?" Yeah. And no response. Then at our meeting together, he responded and he said, "Well, when I asked him, did you correct him? Did you call him and say, listen, that's not going to happen at First Baptist Orlando.'" We're not going to tolerate. In in the back of my mind, this is very light in comparison to a pastor calling the cornerstone Christ the LGBT community. Yeah. So there's a history of not correcting blatant, you know, sin. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. If, if David Youth won't correct that, mm-hmm. I sure don't expect him to correct a four letter. So I'm, I'm, I'm like calling to righteousness, a standard here. We have a standard, the word of God. 
then it's not being adhered to. And I've got friends at First Orlando that are going down this downgrade. And so if the best that we can do is say, hey, we got to talk about this and I'm going to do the best that I possibly can. Well, he, Danny flat out said, I wasn't offended. And that's telling. Yeah, it is. Wasn't offended by a pastor using profanity from the pulpit. Was it, that didn't offend him. Wasn't offended. Wasn't offended at a pastor using profanity, preaching on prayer in front of pastors. On behalf of the church. Wasn't offended. Now, he said that. That's his words. And it was in, I mean, all of us know that. And so nevertheless, all of these things, all of these things add up and add up and get to the point. And at the end of our podcast today, there's going to be some shocking information for those who have said to um, us, you know, whatever, you know, they're questioning whether or not what we've talked about is true or not. Well, the North American Mission Board is partnering with First Baptist Orlando to plant churches. And if you go on to, um, let's see, I guess it's the Sin Network's uh, values. Um, The previous president, Heidi Lewis, uh, pastor of Blueprint Church in Atlanta. He's, um, like I said, the previous president. Now the president is Vance Pittman. But nevertheless, here's what the printed values say. They actually have restoration through the great requirement. They're adding words called the great requirement to the gospel. And here is the first paragraph here. Chapter seven, last sentence. We have tragically missed a key component of the gospel. Now I thought about that, Justin. The North American Mission Board here has published values through their sin network through Pastor Lewis here. And he is saying, we all have tragically missed a key component to the gospel. And did you did you know that all of your professors have gotten the gospel wrong and you your whole life yeah. you've got the gospel wrong? You've missed it, Justin. I've been I've been preaching the wrong gospel, and apparently every Holy Spirit indwelt believer for the last two thousand years until the last few years when social justice came on the scene. We've all been preaching a false gospel because up until about, you know, five, six years ago, nobody, no evangelical was preaching social justice. What an audacious claim. Well, I guess apparently nobody's gone to heaven in the last 2000 years. (laughs) Right. And it's all based off of one verse, Micah 6, 8, the great requirement. So nevertheless, we need, I guess, Nam to tell us how to preach the gospel. And it tells us that the, that it requires us to do justice. This is what they're calling a holistic restor- restoration, a holistic restoration to make disciples. And here's their words. We have to do holistic restoration to make disciples. And we have to address aspects of spiritual, emotional, economic, outward and social dynamics in our communities at Sin Network. We are using four pillars to build the framework of a community restoration. Now, they're just simply moving towards humanitarian helping methods. And, 
using social justice and, and adding it to the gospel. There's another pillar here, an emotional pillar of brokenness. It's an they call it emotional pillar, a, a spiritual pillar, an economic pillar. The economic pillar is leading churches to partner with communities to heal brokenness and to help people find jobs and keep jobs. The social pillar is addressing the social needs in the community and dealing with what they would say educational disparities and racial reconciliation to reconcile broken aspects of the community. And, you know, the list goes on and on and on. But here at the end, we must, like Christ, engage in life-on-life disciple-making and holistic community restoration. We have failed. Get this. This is what they're saying. I mean, the reason I'm bringing this up is because NAM's planting churches through our state convention, through First Baptist Orlando, in our area. And there's woke church plants in our area. That affects us. Yeah, absolutely. It says we have failed to realize that our refusal to validate our neighbors' current struggles is often more offensive than the gospel itself. A.K.A. your white supremacist attitude is so offensive and all of the racial tenets that are ingrained in the fabric of America have never been confessed and repented of, and you haven't been repenting of your whiteness, you haven't been transferring power, you haven't been doing social justice and racial reconciliation, and that is so offensive, it's more offensive than the gospel itself. And so, I mean, this accusation of not preaching what I think they would call the full gospel, racial reconciliation and the Great Commission, is heresy. It's a double curse. Yep. It's the same thing as Galatians chapter one was a curse. It was, yep. was addressing as yep. a double curse when you add something to the gospel. Yep. Any, time you say the gospel is it, that salvation is by grace, by grace alone, through faith alone and Christ alone, plus something. Yeah. Whatever follows that plus mm-hmm. over time, eventually that becomes the focus. Mm-hmm. That gets all the focus. That gets all the attention. It's happened in every other denomination. You know, look at where the United Methodist Church is now. Look at where the Episcopal denomination is now. You know, mm-hmm. they're 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 off in in complete apostasy. We've seen this movie before. We yeah. know how it ends. Yeah, and um, nothing new. And so, and the gospel gets lost every yeah. single time. Yeah. Every single time. For the Galatians, it was Judaism. For the Colossians, it was Gnosticism. Add one little thing. Add one little thing to the gospel. It's not that the Galatians were denying Christ or the uh, crucifixion or resurrection. They weren't denying that. They were just adding just a little bit to it. And Paul said, you foolish Galatians. Chapter 3. Who has bewitched you? Mm -hmm. Hmm. Yeah, and he also said, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he's to be accursed. And as we have said before, I say to you now again, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you have received, he is to be accursed. It's a double curse if you go outside of the purity of the gospel. You're literally denying the complete deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're saying that he is not complete. He is not fully true. 
You need some type of humanistic effort added to the gospel to save a soul. We need yeah. to help Jesus. His his sacrificial death on the cross is not sufficient. The word of God is not sufficient. We need to add to it. And it's just an old heresy repackaged. And a lot of pastors right now would simply say, I, I don't want to get into the details. I, I just don't want to know. We're, we're okay. I'm good. But what we're calling for is for pastors to faithfully shepherd the flock and disclose all of the truth and be aware of what's going on mm-hmm. and educate their flock slowly, work within what they will, right? Don't, don't slam them with a ton of information and give them too much. Don't choke them, but start sharing with them that's one little piece at a time. Maybe break up some of the facts that we have shared into six months, but you've got to start somewhere. And those pastors who have been faithful to share the truth with their congregation as it happens, they're not shocked and they're ready to leave the SBC a hundred percent. And they're like, nope, we get it. We comprehend it. You told us and we see it and it's our decision. We see it as well. And so they've responded in a healthy way and their churches are in unity. They're, it's, it's not divisive when, you, when you're educating them and teaching them the truth along the way. Tom, thank you, brother, for coming on uh, this interview real quick. And uh, we're talking about, of course, First Baptist Orlando and uh, the fact that uh, David Youth and Danny DeArmas openly say that they have homosexuals, transgendered, sexually immoral people, not just attending their church, but worshiping and serving in the church. And this video, of course, we're all also talking about how First Baptist Orlando even baptizes homosexuals. So um, you had an email exchange with Kevin Ezell at the North American Mission Board related to this topic. Can you kind of walk us through that? Yeah, when uh, David Youth did his video and the Armists did as well, of course, the Armists was, uh, I think, the chairman of the trustees. He was either the chairman or the vice chairman of the trustees of NAM, uh, at least uh, uh, because I had emails I sent him back in May of 2021 and uh, directly to Danny DeArmas. Uh, so it's concerning because there's a lot of NAM connections at, at, at First Baptist Orlando. Obviously, I'm as ups- upset as you are at the kind of debauchery that's going on at, in that church, at least the overlooking of it at the very least. And yeah. I would say even uh, more than that, they're, they're actually condoning it in the way that they're, they're handling things. But it's one thing for an autonomous church to do something. I think the SBC should certainly put them out of the convention. But it's one thing that they won't do that. It's quite another that they would be partnering. First Baptist Church Orlando and NAM would be partnering to plant churches. And that's the announcement that David Youth made that um, in that video where he talked about that they have LGBT people serving in the church. Yeah. And so I wrote uh, Kevin Ezell, Dr. Ezell, and I said, you know, I gave him the link to the video. Uh, with, to the very section where David Youth said this. And um, I was concerned about it, that we would be somehow supporting that. And um, I just asked him straightforward. I said, uh, are you all, uh, would you, the first question I asked is, would you all allow in a NAM funded, funded church plant, allow someone that's LGBTQ practicing a, or cohabitating, remember that's the word that David used, Right. Uh, right. Serving yes. a NAM plant. And and uh, he wrote back and said, 
uh, well, you would have to ask First Baptist Church Orlando that. He essentially said that, you know, they work to partner with any churches that are in friendly cooperation with the convention. He wouldn't answer the question. Uh, And I responded back to, I responded again. I said, Dr. Rizal, I'm not asking you to tell me what First Baptist Orlando's practice is. I'm asking you whether you would, whether a name plant church would allow that. Again, he wouldn't answer it. He said, well, you know, we'll let our, let our uh, missionaries uh, or uh, uh, what are they? Don't, the church plant church coordinators, church planning coordinators, the coordinators that coordinate the churches. Yeah. Uh, we would, you know, we would leave that up to them to oversee it. So I write back and say, well, would a church plant uh, a NAM church planning coordinator? Uh, what would they do if they found out that a NAM church plant had an LGBT person serving? And they didn't, wouldn't answer that. And, and that he passed me off to somebody else. He quit talking to me and Pat he, and somebody else started writing me back. Uh, and he gave me the exact same answer uh, that Kevin gave me the first time. It's almost like that they have these uh, little button they push and it pops out what answer to send. And <laughs> it's the same answer every time. Right. Uh, we recommend you contact First Baptist Church Orlando and, at, and this is a local church matter. I'm like, we, we already not, know what First Baptist Orlando is doing. Exactly. It's not a local church matter about NAM funded church plants. Because if my church gives to NAM, that means that some of that money could go plant a church with First Baptist. So I think I had at least seven emails, maybe more, where I continued to press the. They wouldn't answer it, so I asked it again. I, I, and every and then I got down to the point where all I was asking was, "Do you have intentions to partner with First Baptist Church Orlando?" to plant a church? That's a straightforward question, right? Are there any plans? They wrote back and said, you would need to call First Baptist Church Orlando to ask them what, I mean, they won't answer a simple question. Unbelievable. And the reason they won't, the only thing that makes sense is the reason they won't is because they have every intention in the world of partnering with First Baptist Church Orlando to plant churches. Yep. And they're more than willing to look the other way regarding baptizing homosexuals or whatever else that First Baptist Church in Orlando is involved in doing. Yeah. Oh, it, it, you cannot send money to the North American Mission Board. Every Southern Rebs church needs to stop that. And here's the thing, Justin. My church can't do one thing about First Baptist Church Orlando. Can't do a thing. I can't put them out of the, the SBC. I can't practice any type of discipline. There's nothing that I could do at all except pray that God will change them, and if they won't change, be removed from the convention. But every SBC church can stop giving money to the North American Mission Board and quit funding this kind of garbage. Uh, It took me two years to get them to admit that they had women preachers. took two years to get, for me, even though I had visual pictures, videos, and all these other things, took two years to get them to admit that. How long will it take us to get, get them to admit that they have LGBT people serving in in churches that your that my church when we were in the SBC funding them we're not funding them we haven't been for a while or other churches that are funding them so you're sending money to go fund that kind of garbage if you give to them yep yep that's the bottom line that's the bottom line that's where your money is going so and yeah. if you want it to go there give it to it that's you know that's but at least be honest with your church and show them what you're supporting. Do a missions report with Joe Mills' Facebook page sometime <laughs> and yeah. see how that goes over on a Sunday, yeah. Sunday report. 
yeah, not too good. Not too it won't good. be pretty. No, and um, yeah, that's that's going to be later in this video. But uh, for those watching, yes, uh, yeah, the 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 really troubling stuff is yet to come in the video, and that will all be explained. Yeah, and my laughing is not because I think that it's funny. I'm just saying oh, it's, it's it's out so outrageous. It makes you you're just like, what is this that we allow this to go on? Yeah, it's it's just. Uh, I mean, who would have dreamed five six plus years ago that we would even be having this discussion? I, I, I don't think anybody would have ever even dreamed this would be going on in the SBC. But here we Except are. We do know that in every denomination that's gone liberal, it begins with egalitarianism and it yep. leads to the LGBT stuff. Yep. Uh, it one, once yep. they start affirming women in ministry, they will eventually affirm homosexuals in ministry. Yep. Uh, and that's a fact. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. We've seen this movie before. It's happened in every other denomination that's done it. Yep. We know how it ends. Yeah. All right. Well, Tom, thank you, brother. Thank you for helping uh, helping us see this and uh, sharing your well valid, uh, well founded concerns. Appreciate you, brother. Thank you for exposing it. It needs to be. Yeah. Okay. Brother. One other thing about um, Pastor David Youth, when we were talking in our meeting, he said specifically that sanctification starts after baptism. And I thought we would just kind of think through that a little bit, because when he said we believe around here that sanctification starts after baptism, I, I thought about that. So I'm going to repeat it again. We just believe around here. He was pushing back on the fact that homosexuals were being baptized at the church. So he did not deny that homosexuals were being baptized at First Baptist Orlando. He said, we just believe around here that sanctification starts after baptism. And yeah. Okay. People need to hear this. He's not denying, and we're about to prove it, but he's not denying that they baptized homosexuals, but he says that sanctification starts after baptism. Where does justification fit in here? What well, I mean, Casey, this is stunning. And he told me, correct me if I'm wrong, but if memory serves, uh, it was either David or Danny who told you that, uh, uh, when you ask them about baptism and this issue and what all is going on, they said, we're still trying to figure it out. Yes. You're, you're still trying to figure out baptism? Mm-hmm. The whole thing, church membership, serving, baptism, <laughs> you know, they, they're still trying to figure that out. I, how, how, are you, how are you a pastor? He's been a pastor for who knows how many years. And, and you haven't, you don't understand baptism? Yeah. And it's stunning to me. Yeah. But when you think about it, when he says we believe around here, now that is no different than the Catholic Church forcing their people to believe their catechisms or their church doctrine or their apocrypha as authoritative alongside of the scriptures. And so it's heresy. It's, It's the same fundamental mistake that the Methodist Church is made with Jonathan Wesley or John Wesley when they started adhering to the sayings of John Wesley as just as authoritative as the scriptures. They even on their website, it's just as authoritative. So they would quote that, and that's how they've gone down these paths. And whenever you adhere to the church's doctrine, what we believe around here, rather than the word of God, then you just simply 
opened up Pandora's box. It's the same thing that happened with evolution in Genesis chapter one, when you break the historical account of Genesis chapter one and you turn it into poetry and you squeeze millions of years and rather than six literal days. And so nevertheless, these old things just simply resurface, but you can spot them if you listen and you can spot where they've gone off the rails. You just simply have to listen and think rather than just swallow it whole. So nevertheless, um, they definitely are keeping things ambiguous on purpose as to capitalize off of it. They so, know how to run a church. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There, there's no way they don't. They, there's no way he doesn't understand, at least intellectually, believers' baptism, um, regeneration, justification. There's no way he doesn't at least intellectually understand these things. Your basic Apparently, Yeah basic doctrine, but apparently they're not heartfelt convictions um, yeah. because he doesn't obey what he clearly knows. Mm-hmm. So if sanctification starts at baptism, where, where does justification fit in? Where, you know, is this like becoming a Christian by osmosis? You just kind of, you, you get baptized and that's the first step to becoming more acquainted with Christ or something. I mean, that, yeah. Yeah. That makes no sense. That is, that is profoundly unbiblical. Yeah, it, it is terrible. And, you know, having a heart for the people who may watch the video, who may be sitting underneath a pastor, whom they don't know if he is going down this woke road or not. And I thought I'd rattle off um, some buzzwords some things that they may be listening for is to see if is my pastor following the model of first Baptist Orlando or the standard model in the Southern Baptist convention right now. Yeah. Well, the first red flag would be this. If the pastor is not teaching against social justice and critical race theory, that would be your first red flag because to remain neutral is simply to permit it to creep in. Yeah. There are certainly not people who are willing to not fight for it. So those who yeah. believe and the millions upon millions and even billions of dollars from our government and doing training at Fortune 500 companies, I mean, there are woke workshops happening across our country. We're doing these videos and we're talking about the local church, but a lot of people are dealing with this on a firsthand basis at their workplace. And if they are not doing woke agenda type things and social justice type things and racial reconciliation type things, and the list goes on and on and on and on and on and on and on. If they're not doing these things, they could get fired. They could not get raises. The list is just horrible. I mean, the firsthand testimonies that I sit and listen to are horrifying. And so there are people in our congregations around the entire planet who are dealing with this. And if a pastor's not educating on it, he's complicit to it. And there's no reason for a pastor to be ignorant to it at all. This is, this is what our people need to know. And they need to know how to survive. A a shepherd guards and protects the sheep period. We must be making our sheep aware. And so if they're not teaching, it's a real big red flag. Ask your pastor, educate our church as to how we can stand against these woke initiatives against critical race theory, clarify these for us. Yeah. So 
you got kingdom diversity is a hot word. Uh, you've got cultural engagement, white privilege, racial reconciliation, empowerment uh, for women, uh, talking about economics, intersectionality, analytical tool, uh, affirmation of the oppressed and minority, systematic justice, reparations. And you got people like James Cones, Eric Mason, Dr. Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, and others. So if you got this type of stuff creeping in, those are some of the hot words that you can look for, social binary. Um, if, if there's ever any criticism of patriarchy or such, if there's any references to a Frankfurt school, if there's ever any references to lived experience, lived experience being yeah. more authoritative than the word of God, yeah. they would say that a minority has lived through something that a white person hasn't. So they have more truth and white people need to repent and listen to that truth. And that's where truth is. It's not found in the scriptures. It's yeah. found in lived experience. Right. So all of these things, especially the LGBTQ plus movement and such, it's in, in the feminist movement. All of these things, which you've already covered in so many videos, are tied together. And this is how you just listen and watch out for these things. And then you can help protect your own flock as well. So it's it's important for us to be able to equip people to know how to defend themselves against this, because like the folks at First Baptist Orlando, it creeps in over years and it really sounds good on the surface. We discussed mm -hmm. Tony Evans and his presentation of critical race theory and urban initiatives and such on the last video. And if anybody went and searched out mm -hmm. Tony Evans's approach to it, it is very convincing unless you take point for point for point and think it through objectively. And you yeah. think it through the biblical worldview and you think it through with your Bible open and you research the subjects and you understand the context of the passages that are being referenced. So we have to be good Berean Bible study students in order to see all of these things. All right, Casey, now moving to the pictures. Okay, so this this kind of centers around a group, a Bible study group at First Baptist Orlando called the Gospel Gathering, right? Okay, right. how did you first hear about the Gospel Gathering? Yeah, so a prior First Baptist member uh, came to me and told me that there was a Bible study that uh, need to be made aware of and that what we were sharing online was in fact true and more. And um, we could find these public pictures on the Facebook page to kind of verify so that some, even at First Orlando, who wouldn't believe what we would have said, uh, could see the facts. And obviously, I mean, it needs to be cleared up. Uh, David and Danny need to publicly clean all of this up if they are true shepherds. But this is telltale. And um, this is, you know, putting the fork in. This, this is a done deal. I mean, you yeah. and I have told the truth. Yep. And we've been affirmed over and over and over again, uh, countless amounts of times. And um, yeah. now it's time to just say, okay, guys. Um, in good conscience, with a pure heart, we, we want to share the complete facts with you for which are completely available for you to see yourself online. Yeah. Yeah. And so for the gentleman, so this is not secret. This is open. Oh, you, yeah. 
go to Facebook. Um, that's where that's where this is, right? Yeah, we were shown where this is and not given this information, just shown where to go. And yeah. um, and so people can go to the gospel gathering of First Baptist Church of Orlando Bible study group and see what we're going to show and more. We've just kind of selected the pictures that verify what we've been talking about. Yeah. And before we get going, obviously, our heart is for the people. Yes. And, yes. and our intentions are for the truth to refine their lives and for them to grow in sanctification, to repent of sin, and to come to Christ if they're not saved or correct their lifestyle. And, you know, First John 5, 1, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Yeah. So true believers overcome, especially the sin of homosexuality and, and even SSA, same sex attraction. Mm-hmm. And yep. so we take these thoughts captive and we repent of them and we pray and we change our mind. Romans chapter 12 talks about how we can have a renewing of the mind. This is a process that God does through sanctification, but you have to pursue that as he works it in you. And so this is our hope and prayer for them because no homosexual is going to inherit the kingdom of God. It's very clear. And yeah. we want them to be able to have eternal life in Jesus Christ. So the truth, Amen. it seems, is not being shared there at First Baptist Orlando. They may say that homosexuality is a sin, but they're conflating it with the same as maybe anger is a sin. And those are two different things. Yeah. Anger is not going to send you to hell. But the same way God treated Sodom and Gomorrah and he turned people over in Romans chapter one to a depraved mind. That is God's line in the sand and homosexuality, contrary to what J.D. Greer and Ed Litton and other SBC presidents, Bart Barber and um, and James Merritt have yeah. said that homosexuality will not send you to hell. It will. The scriptures yeah. say that it, it does. And so that is our plea. Listen, guys, you're you're already in. Bible study, this this gospel gather, the gospel gathering. You've already got your Bibles open. You yeah. need nothing else except to adhere to the scriptures. And it's our prayer that you would. And so you guys aside, now we want to share truth with everybody else who may have an ounce of doubt left in them. Yeah. Amen. Okay. Well, um, uh... Casey, after I talked to you on that phone that night, you were telling me about the gospel gathering. And so I went on uh, Facebook and full disclosure, I don't know how to use Facebook. I still don't really know how to use it. Uh, a, a good friend of mine maintains the ministry Facebook page. So he posts stuff for me. And, uh, so I, I kind of had to navigate this a little bit, but we were told what to look up and, and the name. And so we did. Or so, so, well, you and I both did, but I, I went on and I, I stumbled around and found it. And, um, I spent more time on Facebook like the other day than I've ever spent my entire life put together. But, um, here, here are the pictures here and there. I'm not on Facebook either. Yeah. So, yeah, I, yeah. So, well, <laughs> but anyway, I figured it out enough to, uh, to find these pictures that you told me about, and there are a lot of them. So let's go through these. Casey, okay, so you have them printed out there. Uh, okay. um, what's the first one? Uh, the first one, you know, um, again, my prayer is for yes. Mr. Joe Mills. Um, and this is just a picture 
of him. Um, you know, I, I, it says Joe Mills, the Gospel Gathering, First Baptist Church this Sunday. And then, you know, he, he's with a couple of folks. Two ladies. And, yeah. And so. So. Okay. So, so far, like no big deal, but we see from coming pictures, um, Joe Mills, let's go to the, to the second one. Yep. So Joe Mills, again, the gospel gathering tonight, we studied the book of John. So we have pictures of them in Bible study. And, um, when you post those pictures, it'll be clearly seen. So. They are definitely studying the Bible. They've uh, yeah. they got their Bibles open and they're reading the Gospel of John. Praise God. Right. Okay. Not so a, far, so good. Still uh, got to connect the dots. Yeah. 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 We're connecting. We're going to be connecting these dots. So uh, the next picture, Joe, Joe Mills, again, uh, with um, four others or several others, whatever, at the Gospel Gathering. So this is their Bible study group. Uh, the gospel gathering and there's the picture of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe, Joe Mills is, is there. Uh, maybe he's one tank picture, but anyway, the background that's, that's telling the background, the courtyard there, that's first Baptist Orlando. Right. Okay. Correct. They're there in faith hall, right beside the coffee shop. And that's the new courtyard that they've installed there. So, okay. The gospel gathering is definitely a Bible study and Joe Mills is definitely a Bible study there at First Baptist Orlando. Yep. Next picture, there's Joe Mills, gospel gathering again. And he, uh, this was on April 15th. And so they have some kind of a foot washing kind of a deal there where they, uh, uh, we met at the homeless mission. So, you know, doing good philanthropical things. Yeah. Um, it says this Friday on Passover, I had the most amazing opportunity along with my brothers and sisters from First Baptist Orlando. So there it is, a foot washing ceremony with First Baptist Orlando, the gospel gathering, Joe Mills. And again, you can you can hear the heart of Joe Mills. This man is yeah, sincere. I'm, yeah, I'm sure. I, I'm sure he's a very nice guy. And I would love for him to come to Pula Baptist Church. I'd love for them to come. I'd love yeah. to share the truth of God's word and lead him to righteousness in Christ. He looks just like a very, very genuine man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Just sincerely. Right. Yeah. He, you know, obviously neither one of us have ever met him, but just what we've seen on his Facebook page, he, he seemed like a nice guy. Um, um, now the, the next, this is where we kind of get into some, our first major red flag. Um, the next picture, this is just a screenshot of a description on Facebook of the gospel gathering mm-hmm. Bible study. And, um, about this group, we are a group of Christian believers that want to worship God in a safe and non-judgmental environment where all are welcome. Okay. So non-judgment, safe and non-judgmental, but especially non-judgmental. That's, that's kind of the, the first like red flag, right? Yeah. Those are tag words. Those are tag words. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Those, those words, words have, have meaning, have kind of imported, uh, intrinsic meaning in, in, a, in a particular context. So that's your code. first. Yeah. L, yeah. Code for LGBT code. Affirming. Yes. Not, not, not just welcoming. But affirming because affirming. we welcome. 
you know, any, any good church is going to welcome anybody to come in the doors and learn about the Lord Jesus yeah. Christ. And to the attend, to attend, yes. but not yeah. to not to be a member, not to serve. Yes. But to sit in the pew and listen to the word taught. Sure. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. That's the not extent. To baptize them, not no. to put them in a place of service, not to put a, you know, a church shirt on them and not to affirm them publicly, you know, not to start a gospel gathering. Bible study, you know, and grow it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So the next picture, this is where any doubts uh, as to what we're dealing with are, are laid to rest, right? Um, Joe Mills, this is dated December 4th, 2021. So this is not long ago. Uh, he says, after 26 years of life's ups and downs, heartaches and joy, today is our wedding day. And he proposed to Mario, uh, I guess, apparently on February 19th, 2021. And I guess they got married on December 4th, 2021. So Joe and Mario are homosexuals. Yeah. And they got, quote unquote, married. Now, I say, quote unquote, married because you and I understand. I want everybody to understand that. Only God defines marriage. God, it's his creation. He defines it, not the United States Supreme Court. So you and I, Casey, we would not say, we would not affirm that these two men are married. They may have a, according to the U.S. Constitution, not the, did I say Constitution, United States Supreme Court? According to the United States Supreme Court, you know, they're, they're married legally, but they are not married in God's eyes because God defines marriage, not the United States Supreme Court. But, Anyway, so, um, yeah, so these are, these are two homosexual men and they're quote unquote married. Uh, Next picture, there's a picture of their wedding day on December. Well, at least this was posted, I guess, on December 6th. So there they are in their tuxes at the church, wherever that is, chapel, whatever. Um, Next picture. That's them cutting the cake, wedding cake. Next picture uh, posted by Joe and uh, Luca or Lusa is our 85 pound Doberman baby. Of course, that's Mario is his quote unquote husband. Um, so these two men are married and living together. And yet, uh, I don't know for sure that Mario is a member of the gospel gathering, but certainly Joe is this Bible study group at her next picture is just another picture of them getting married, walking down the aisle. Yeah. I don't know which church that is that they're getting married in. You know, yeah. there's some historic pews there and historic floors, but I don't, I don't know where that's at. I think it's actually in winter park, uh, a reference that I remember reading. So, yeah. Okay. Right now, Casey, this is a screenshot, the next picture of his likes. Now, again, I'm ignorant of of Facebook, so I didn't even, I wasn't even real sure how a like worked, but uh, I called a buddy of mine who helps me with a lot of tech stuff. He's in another state, in Idaho, but anyway, um, he's on my board of directors, Josh Comstock, great guy. But anyway, he's, um, he's helping me kind of navigate Facebook or call him, tell him kind of what we're 
what we're doing and trying to figure this out and asking for some help. So he got on his computer 400 miles away. He got on the same Facebook page. He found it. And so he's kind of helping me navigate this. These are the likes. And so your likes on your Facebook page are things you like, people you like, organizations you like, whatever. And so this is a screenshot of some of the things that Joe Mill likes. Uh, the first one is cowboy hunt. So I move my cursor over it, you know, and it blows up and gives you a description. And cowboy hunt is a place created for the sole purpose of gay country men to be able to meet other country men alike. Country, it's a way of life. So apparently a gay, like, what do you call that? A gay um, dating site, I guess. Uh, I have no idea. It's pretty telltale as to what his desires are there. And they're not godly desires. And so right, this is definitely a call to repentance because this secret area of his life are now made public, been public, I guess, before we even ran across it. But yeah, it apparently like, he he has no problem with them being public. It's his public. It's open for anyone to see. Right. And I am um, floored because uh, what it leads to when you have these type of links, you're only one step away from. Yeah. Yeah. Full-fledged evil. Really dark stuff. Yeah. Really dark stuff. Now, um, I had no desire to, to click this, obviously. It was just, um, just the thing that popped up when you put your cursor over it. And so I took a little screenshot of it. So, so these are currently his likes. These are on his page right now. So this is what he's promoting. Yes. Um, now the this next one, uh another thing that he likes, this Joshua Dean Flores. So So on First Baptist website, they're not website, but but a, a Bible study that's connected yeah. to First Baptist, the Gospel yeah. Gathering Independent Facebook page is linked directly to the members to homosexual porn. And this is an issue. This has got to be headed off from, from the pastors. You have to foresee these problems as a shepherd and stop them before innocent ones are allured into this lifestyle. Right. Right. You know, and we're not saying that David Youth or Danny DeArmas knows this. I don't right. know if they do or not. So we're not making that assertion, but it is a problem because this is someone under your care, under your spiritual, your shepherding, who is act an active part of right. your church. Yeah. Um, and believe me, it's not fun when you catch, you know, um, wind yeah, no. of something going on in your church that is not above board. And, you know, Matthew chapter 18 is it's not the, the funnest church discipline, yeah, no. okay? but it's no the healthiest right, right. thing. To make the right decision to go in and talk with your people and to align them with Christ is best for the unity of the church, best for the, the soul, and it's being a faithful shepherd. 
And um, when you permit these types of lifestyles, this is what's going to spread. And it gets real dark real fast. So yeah. obviously we're yeah. dealing with a so-called marriage that is unfaithful and toxic. And now sin doesn't stay put. Yeah. Sin spreads. Yeah. It's never satisfied. Yeah. yeah. And it eats the innocent. Mm-hmm. There are innocent people who will be absorbed by this. And at the very least, the wonderful people whom I've spoken to who are, who have came out of the lifestyle have shared with me personally in my office that when a homosexual is coming out of the lifestyle is when they're most vulnerable. And to have a Bible study that is um, affirmed by the church means that they slip back into the lifestyle really easily. It's a slippery slope. It's hard to come out of homosexuality. It's a death grip. It's, it's horrible. And so for that, um, for those who are coming out of the lifestyle to see a Bible study going on, it's very confusing for them. And now you've got good people who are trying to do the right thing and come out of the lifestyle now who are compromised. That's the very least that's happening with committing this. It's it's hard to talk about. It's very, very sensitive. And and I want to be sensitive to those who are making the effort and who have failed in this area and who have remorse and, and who are climbing out of the depths of sin. So nevertheless, this is not going to help them. This is going to harm them. Right. Right. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. Um, if you, if you do a, a Google search on this Joshua Dean Flores, um, it, 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 it comes up, I guess, apparently there's a Twitter account and says, um, some results may be explicit. So, yeah. So this is, this is, this is ex- some extremely dark, sinful stuff. That is not, this is, you can't be a regenerate person and be promoting this kind of stuff. I mean, even, even be in it yourself, much less promoting it. Right. It's in his likes. It's what he's promoting. This next picture um, from Joe, dated February 11th. He's at First Baptist Orlando. And um, so they had, uh, you know, like, a. of course, this is a large group. So that's not all the, the gospel gathering. That, apparently the gospel gathering was there with a bunch of other stuff. But, um, but there's David Youth teaching, right? It is further ties together all the details that this, the, these people are at first Baptist Orlando. The gospel gathering is a Bible study there at first Baptist Orlando. And, um, the next picture shows that Danny knows them. Yeah. Yeah. Danny, Danny knows he's aware. Um, he, he, they're very, the leadership, David and Danny are, are aware of the gospel gathering group. Mm-hmm. And this next picture, Casey is, is Joe being baptized. So, um, it, it made new, those made new t-shirts 
That's what First Baptist Orlando, that's what they give people who are being baptized. That's what they get baptized in, um, which is, okay, so who are we looking at? Joe's the guy in the middle. Who, who are the other two guys? Danny to the right. Chris Bacon is behind. He's the youth pastor. Danny DeArmas, senior associate pastor to the right in the blue cap. And in the back? Chris Bacon. Chris Bacon. Chris Bacon. Yeah. He's the youth minister. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it's very probable that uh, Chris would not know him. Uh, the youth are, you know, it's it's just so big. You, you cannot know everybody. But like the picture that you have had before this one um, with it, Danny coming to the Bible study to teach. I mean, it, it says the gospel gathering this week. We're so excited to have Pastor Danny teach our Bible study class. And as our Bible study grows, we are so blessed to have such a diverse group of people. So Danny has taught the gospel gathering. He knows them. And I was told personally that he gave his affirmation to the group. It says, now you can grow. And so he put his blessing upon the group. He knows them. He's said that they can grow. And now he has baptized him and so nevertheless it's it's just irrefutable and you and i do, do we want to do that no we none, none of this is something that we enjoy nor that we want to but we want the souls for those who are in danger to be warned ezekiel 33 warning true yeah. prophets are going to warn and we want them to repent and be right with christ and the same thought at the same time for the rest of the people at the church, yeah. if, if they could see what is true, it, it, it could be made right or they need to leave. It's time to get out. If, if, if they don't have any sense at all that there's any leadership that's going to stand up, if the deacons are not going to stand up, if the pastoral staff is not going to stand up. If there's nothing's going to happen by now, it is it is time to cut your losses and not be guilty by association. Protect your children. Protect yourself get out of the pan and move and find a gospel centered church. But this is irrefutable. Yeah, Yeah, this is irrefutable. This is irrefutable. And, uh, and, and this is not, it's not like this is the only time this has happened. You have heard from multiple people that this, this happens at first Orlando. It, it happens. Um, so this is just one example and there's many more. I've had, you know, predominant pastors just not believe that this is happening. It can't. And I, I, I sympathize with that. I'm like, there's no way. I remember when I first heard about it and I said to myself, I've got to go see it for myself. There's just no way. And, and when you go and you see that there have been, um, open, Homosexual men in places of service with First Baptist T-shirts on all around the worship center in the new here tents or whatnot. Or you, you, you just like, man, you know, Lord, please help conviction to fall and to be a blessing to them and to lead them to the truth. And your heart goes out. It's hard to believe these things. These truths are are really tough. But it's just like the doctor who tells the patient who has cancer that they have cancer. They're always thankful that they perhaps they could catch it in time. 
Yeah. And they're always thankful for the truth. What would a cancer patient say to a doctor if the doctor did not tell them they had cancer? Yeah, that's right. The liar. Yeah. We're not liars. We're not shrinking back. Acts 20, 20 says that I did not shrink back from declaring to you anything that was profitable. And so this is the hard work of the shepherd to protect the sheep. It's not always glorious, but at the end of the day, it is. At the end of the day, yeah. when repentance sets in, then revival comes and the yeah. joy of the Lord comes. And there's nothing that God cannot heal. There's nothing beyond redemption here. Uh, we just want to get the truth out to the folks here. And I pray the best for everyone who sees this video. Yeah. Amen, brother. Amen, indeed. And I would, um, yeah, I would just add that, uh, you know, if you're, if you're watching this video and you maybe, maybe if you're a member there at First Orlando, you're going there and you, Casey, I, I get emails from people pretty regularly and they'll say it's kind of along this. Um, Justin, I realize now that I'm in a weak church it's teaching some bad things and the pastor's not, not teaching sound doctrine and, you know, on and on and on. Um, should I, I, but I realize the truth. I see the truth now. I'm growing in Christ and growing in my knowledge of the word. I feel like I should stay and be a source of light there to hopefully kind of change the church. And I'll always tell people, don't do that. You're not going to change the church. You're not, no matter how sincere you are, no matter how good your intentions, no matter how honorable before the Lord, you're not going to change the church. A, a congregation is not going to rise to a level of spiritual maturity above that of its leadership. It's just not going to happen. So, um, and if you're in one of those churches, that is not a biblically defined church. It's not being led by biblically qualified men. And not to get off into the weeds too much here, but the biblical model is a plurality of elders. Right. Uh, if you don't have that, then, then you're not in a real church anyway. You're just in a social club. So, so don't try to change it. You're not going to leave and find a good doctrinally sound church that does expositional preaching that's led by biblically qualified men that does church discipline, as you were talking about per Matthew 18. Um, find that church and join yourself to it. And, uh, because it's only there that you'll truly be able to grow in Christ and you'll be able to use your spiritual gifts and, you know, do the one another's of scripture of the New Testament. And so, um, yeah, don't, don't try to change it. You're not going to just find a good church. Um, Casey, as we begin to kind of land here, uh, let's go through a few of the, objections that we've heard. And there's one guy in particular that sent you, he's, he's got a, I'll just say it. I don't care. Um, faith on fires. His name's Brian. I don't know what his last name is, but he's got a YouTube channel, faith on fire. He's done a lot of videos refuting me, uh, uh, taking me to task on various things. He's theologically, he's, he's Arminian. He's very, very opposed to the doctrine of election. So he's very Arminian, but he's also charismatic and he's also egalitarian. Oh In fact, his seems to me, from what I can see, his most passionate issue is is women preachers. He really champions women preachers, women pastors. So, at any rate, that's who he is. So, um, he's he's um, 
he wrote you an email, a long one, and uh, really took you to task, I guess, because he lives in the Orlando area. And so you're there. Um, but one of the points he makes is that, paraphrasing here, um, you shouldn't be doing this, Casey, because you you should not expect all of your church members to agree with you on every little thing. And so that's apparently what we're saying here. We're, but that's not the point we're making at all, is it? No. You know, I mean, it's, it's simple. And Titus one thirteen for this reason, all of these disqualifying reasons for elders, it says, for this reason, reprove them severely so that they may be sound in the faith. And so our corrections are so that they would be sound in the faith. It, it's It's not to destroy anybody, it's to help everybody. And they're held at a higher standard because they're shepherds, they're pastors, they're going to be held at a higher account at judgment. Yep. And so they need to be reproved severely and even publicly. And, you know, that's one of the things that brings fear into the shepherd because we're handling the word of God and our words matter. So nevertheless, yeah, he, yeah. Yeah, it sent me a yeah, a long-winded, speculative. Yeah, um, like you said, you you nailed his theological framework. He would fit in right now with Danny and David really well. Oh, so yeah. I kind of wonder if he's a member there. I, I, is he? Lo- I have not seen I don't any think of his so. videos. Okay. Yeah, I don't know where he goes to church, or if I'm assuming he does somewhere. But um, yeah, but um, but yeah, we're not saying that everybody has to agree with us on every little every little jot and tittle of every little thing, you know, I, I don't, I don't know, Casey, I don't know if you believe the Exodus was in the 13th or the 15th century BC. I've never asked you that, you know, I'm not (laughs) sure I can trust you until I figure that out. We're not talking about things like that. What we're talking about, these are fundamental issues. These are primary doctrine, gospel issues. We're not talking about every little, so that's a, a, a dumb argument to make. He did a video. Uh, taking me to task specifically, uh, saying that what we were saying about First Baptist Orlando is wrong because of their doctrinal statement. And he went and such kind of searched this uh, kind of fuller doctrinal statement from First Baptist Orlando, and it, and he put it on a screen and said, "See, they it says right here that they believe that homosexuality is a sin and marriage is between one man and one woman and all that." And he said, "You know, so Justin is lying about." First Baptist Orlando, here's their doctrinal statement. Well, so I saw that and I, I just did a quick Google search. I took like a sentence out of that doctrinal statement, put it in the Google window and clicked it. And it took me all of 30 seconds to realize this is, this is a copied and pasted doctrinal statement that First Baptist Orlando did not even write. And it's being used by hundreds at least of uh, maybe thousands, I don't know, but, but bare minimum hundreds of churches. It's a stand, it's a copied and pasted thing. Yeah. And so they didn't write it. I don't know who wrote it the first time, but it certainly wasn't first Orlando. And it's being used by a lot of different churches from a lot of different denominations, which I found very interesting. Baptist, Methodist, uh, Presbyterian, even a Lutheran church, at least one that I saw. And that was just within a couple of minutes. So, it, you know, you don't have to be Columbo to figure figure this out. So there's a lot of churches that teach against 
their own doctrinal statement. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can go to Lakewood Church, Joel Osteen's church, and their doctrinal statement is, I mean, it's nothing to write home about, but it would pass a basic doctrinal smell test. Right. And it even affirms the exclusivity of Christ. And yet I've got Joel Osteen on video multiple occasions denying the exclusivity of Christ. So churches teach against their own doctrinal statement all the time. They just, and a lot of them just, you know, they find a doctrinal statement, copy, paste it, and stick it on the website. And my guess is the great, great, great majority of people at that church and probably even on staff members haven't even read it, much less that they write it. Mm-hmm. So the most common doctrinal statement is the Baptist faith and message for Southern Baptist churches. And obviously they platform women preachers all the time. And yeah. it says explicitly, very specifically that uh, women preachers are not what the Baptist faith message holds to. And yeah. so to case in point. Yeah. Right. All right. So another thing he's saying is, is this is we're gossiping. Are, are we gossiping? Are we guilty of the sin of gossip in these videos? No, nope, we're not slandering anybody or gossiping about anything, stating the facts, comparing them to scripture, simply using uh, some good old biblical common sense. And um, everyone is called to be a good steward and manage their heart and mind correctly. Yeah, right, right. He, yeah, and he's called you to denounce everything you've ever done and repent. And he, he began his attack on us saying that we were wrong in our facts. I guess he can't say that anymore. He hasn't. I think he realized with our last video, he can't say that anymore. So now he's just saying it. So this is not gossip. Gossip is saying things about other people that you do not know to be true with Mm -hmm. the intent of hurting them. Everything that we have said is true. And then some, and, and I think it's safe to say that you and I just, even what we know is only the tip of the iceberg of, of what's going on there. Oh, I have not been able to share full disclosure. I, I haven't been able to bring up, but little tips. I mean, yeah. you've got lives who are hanging on a thread right now, trying to, you know, rebound and recover. And to give any specifics of their life would give their identity away. And that would just simply be horrible. It would cause insert, insult to, you know, an injury. And, um, and that can't be so. And so nevertheless, um, and we'd be here for another four, five, ten hours if I was to open up yeah. and really share. But, um, but Justin, you know, this is really, truly um, a ministry that you have, and um, it reaches people where they're at. People have cell phones and laptops and everything, and they watch videos, and they can share, and people can share videos whom they know are in trouble or hurt. And, um, and this is a, a real ministry. So I, I commend how God is working through you, uh, to reveal truth. Your last video with Clefo Dollar was very, very good. It was, it was brilliant because on the onset, I mean, most people would hear what he had to say as genuine, genuine repentance, but it was anything but. And so this is the same thing that you hear from, you know, the stage there at First Baptist Orlando. Well, it sounds good, mm-hmm. but when you take it to the scriptures and you do faithful Bible study, it's it's anything but. So we should not be yielding our souls to catch phrases, to short sermon series that are encouraging. This is not preaching the full counsel of God. 
This is not edifying the sheep. It's not growing them. Second Timothy 3.16 calls for more than just encouraging preaching. It says to preach the word, to be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with great patience and instruction. So I'm sorry, at Second Timothy 4.2. Yeah. That's preaching. I mean, there's there's a lot of reproof and correction. And true believers, they're like, let me have it. I, I yeah. want to be right with God. Yeah. If I'm out of sorts with the Lord and I'm doing something, please, preacher, tell me. It's the same thing as if you've you know got something um, in your teeth or on your face. Let me know. <laughs> Don't let yeah. me make a fool of myself. Yeah. 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 Let me know about it. Absolutely. And we've said it before, and, and we'll kind of close with this, Casey, that the most loving thing you can do for someone is to tell them the truth. The most hateful thing you can do is to know the truth, but don't tell them. And the, the fact that, that Danny DeArmas and David Youth and the, the, the leadership there at First Baptist Orlando, they are, they are knowingly baptizing homosexuals. Yeah. That that is now. I know they would re- reject this, and 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 diff, But but if we believe what the Bible says, if we yeah. really believe what we say we believe, then the the purest form of hatred would be to know and 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 know what Paul says in First Corinthians six when he says in verse nine, "Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators nor idolaters." nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor revilers, nor covetous, nor swindlers or drunkards will inherit the kingdom of God. Right. So the most loving thing to do is to, you know, is to tell them the truth. I mean, mm-hmm. to baptize them, you baptize someone after their conversion, mm-hmm. after their regeneration, after the old man has passed away and all things have been made new. Baptism comes after conversion. It's not the first step to progress along and hopefully learn more about Jesus later down the road. That's not how this works. Right. And so they, they, I just stunned. I would think we were dealing with, with an Episcopal church here, but it's Southern Baptist. These are people who should know better. Yeah. Um, and the Episcopal diocese had their annual convention at, uh, First Baptist Orlando, by the way, <laughs> that's neither here nor there, but yeah. they, they open their building up to um, whomever as a community uh, service. So, but to your point of love, you know, Romans 12, nine, let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. A hypocritical yeah. love is not to hate what is evil, but if we're going to love what is true and righteous and holy, then we develop a healthy hatred for sin. Not the people, uh, the no. sin. Yeah. And you two and I, we hate the sin that we do so much so yeah. that we repent of it and right. we put sincere effort into not doing it yeah. again. You know, if you're a Christian, your identity is not in your sin. Okay. Right. There, there's no such thing as a gay Christian. Those, that's, that is a, those are mutually exclusive terms. There's no more such thing as a gay Christian as there is a bank robbing Christian. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we would scoff at that. I'm a bank robbing Christian. I rob banks for a living. You're a Christian. Yeah. I'm a bank robbing Christian. Oh, you know, or I'm, I'm a, 
I'm a child molesting Christian. Right. No, no. If you're in Christ, your identity is in Christ and in Christ alone. And when you come to Christ, the old man passes away. All things are made new. It doesn't mean that we're perfect, but it does mean that our, our, our desires are changed. Our affections are changed. We love what God loves. We hate what God hates. And through the gospel, Casey, homosexuals can join. They don't have to stay in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9. Yeah. They can move to verse 11. Mm-hmm. Paul says, such were some of you. Mm-hmm. You were those things, but you're not anymore. You were a reviler, but you're not anymore. You were a drunkard, but you're not anymore. You were a homosexual, but you're not anymore. They can, there's freedom in Christ and in the gospel of Christ. And that is what we want for Joe. That's what we want for anyone. And, and, and you have heard from former homosexuals, right? Yeah. Who have thanked you, right? Yeah. They've, they've been so kind in their communication and some very genuine genuine people. And, yeah. and so I've, I've enjoyed honestly interacting with them. I, I've had the, the privilege of speaking with more homosexuals um, in, the, in the last six months than I ever have in my life. And mm-hmm. um, they, they've been very appreciative of the truth. And, and so our, our prayers and our desire is for them. Yeah. The best in Christ. That's right. Amen. Amen. Being a homosexual is not the unforgivable sin. Right. If you die in that sin, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. You will go to hell and endure the wrath of God for all of eternity, mm-hmm. but it's not unforgivable. There is freedom in the gospel. So, yeah. All right. Well, I'll read First Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. Okay. And, um, you know, lead into the authentic gospel that can transform a heart because it's the power of God and the salvation. And first Corinthians chapter 15 verses three and four talk about the death and the burial and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. It says, for I delivered unto you of first importance what I have received that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Amen. Amen. And dear ones, that is the glorious gospel. If you will, the the salvation includes intellectual assent to what Casey just read. Salvation includes you cannot be saved unless you, you intellectually believe that Jesus is who he said he is, that he is the son of God who came to this earth, lived a perfect life, fully God, fully man, never broke any of God's laws laid down his life on the cross for the wrath of God. He took the penalty, took the punishment, what our sins have earned us, took upon himself, bore the wrath of God. This perfect person offered his perfect life as a perfect sacrifice to perfectly satisfy the perfect wrath of God, died on the cross three days later, bodily raised from the dead, proving himself to be who he said he was, God in human flesh. To be saved, you must intellectually believe these things. But salvation, it includes intellectual assent, but it is more than just intellectual assent. The demons also believe and they tremble, but they're not saved. 
True salvation comes when you not only believe, but that biblical belief encapsulates and includes repentance from sin. When you turn from your sin, place your faith in Christ, but in that, a turning away from sin, that's repentance. Uh, Paul speaks of a godly sorrow over sin in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. A godly sorrow leads to repentance unto salvation. What is a godly sorrow? When we grieve over our sin, not just admitting that we're sinners, that's important, but a grieving over our sin. When we grieve over our sin, because we understand that our sin grieves God and we do not want to grieve him. So if you will come to Christ in a true godly sorrow over your sin, if you want a savior, not only from hell, which is good and right, you should want a savior from hell. But just as much as we should want a savior from hell, we should want a savior from our sin. The person who wants a savior from hell, but not a savior from sin has a savior from neither. So if you truly desire to, to turn from your sin, go to Christ, confess your sins before him, ask him to forgive you. And if you will come to Christ in that godly sorrow, truly seeking to, to surrender your life to his lordship, he will save you. Jesus says, the one who comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. He will save you and you will pass from death to life. The old things will pass away. All things will be made new and you can have freedom in Christ. And if you're a homosexual, when I share the gospel with homosexuals, I don't, I don't immediately drill down on homosexuality because it's not just homosexuality. It's a million other sins that will also send you to hell. But if you will come to Christ, those things will pass away. Whatever they are, those things will pass away. You'll be made a new creature with new desires, new affections. You'll have a love for the truth. You'll have a love for holiness. You'll pursue holiness. You'll have a love for, for the brethren. You'll have a love for his church. These are the fruits in keeping with repentance. So there is freedom in Christ. That is the good news of the gospel. And that is what we want. For anyone watching right now, yeah, your stream. So, Casey, thank you very much, brother. Thank you for your courage. I appreciate um, not only your courage, and I guess this goes hand in hand, but also your your um, your shepherd's heart in wanting to help people. Thank you, yes, sir. Anytime. I appreciate your friendship as well, Justin. All right. Thanks, Casey. Okay. Well, dear ones, thank you for watching. If you're in the Orlando area, Casey is the pastor of Beulah. Beulah Baptist Church in Winter Garden, Florida. And um, until our next time together, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with you all. Thank you for listening to Didache. We hope that you were encouraged and edified by what you just heard. If you have a question or comment for Justin, or interested in more teaching resources, or would like to have him come and preach at your church or conference, you may contact him at justinpeters.org.